Hey there, everyone. This is Dan Fagella here with Tech Emergence, where we interview investors, entrepreneurs, and researchers in the domain of emerging tech today. I'm lucky enough to have one of the partners of uh, Next View Ventures on the line with me right now, Mr. David Bizell. David, how are you? Morning. Going well, going well. I know I caught you while you have a little bit of a cold, but I think your voice still sounds pretty darn good today. I wanted to uh, to catch up with you first because we, we were talking a little bit pre-recording um, about kind of the, the initial transition that you made into the venture world. Obviously, now you're a partner in a, a, a firm right here in Boston, um, but and, and but you had left uh, the consulting world to kind of get into the startup space back in the, the late 90s. And then eventually you started stepping into investing, and now it's kind of your real thing. What what did those first steps look like? How, what you know what went off in your head where you're like, you know what, I should do this investing thing too. How did that transition happen? Sure. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, there wasn't one day when I woke up and just said, okay, today I want I want to be a venture capitalist. It was, uh, it was just that it was, it was a transition. Yeah. Um, and it started when I got really into the, the startup world in the late '90s. I co-founded an email marketing company. Uh, along with uh, three other three other folks, we basically had a series of consumer-facing email newsletters, and we raised a million dollars in angel financing, and then ended up selling the company uh, for thirty-five million dollars to About.com um, after they had IPO. And so I, I worked for a couple of years as VP of marketing at About.com during kind of Internet 1.0 years. Um, but then on the investing side, at a couple, you know, fast forward a couple of years later. A few of the angel investors in my company before had raised a fund in uh, 2003 called Massive Venture Partners. And so, um, you know, I was just in the process of graduating from business school, and they said, hey, why don't you come, you know, hang out with us, spend a little time. You can either start another company, you can either then figure out which one of our own portfolio companies you might want to join, uh, or you might like, you know, being on, on the investing side. And so it seemed as though... You know, I joined them kind of with an open mind about what what, what was I going to do next. And then fast forward three years from there, and I really, really liked being uh, on the investing side. Um, you know, I got to work with not just one, but many entrepreneurial endeavors at once and got to interact with, you know, many, many entrepreneurs and, and work on different things at once. And so it was a way to be a part of the company creation process over and over and again. again. Um, and so it, 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 I decided that I was going to continue on that trajectory of being on the venture capital side as opposed to, you know, being an entrepreneur was where my roots were. Yeah, so getting in on another company and another company and sort of having your one pony that you're riding, um, sort of being involved in, in a whole a whole bunch of levels. And, and for you, is that sort of the, the thing, you know, it wasn't necessarily a particular industry, it was more just kind of the, the excitement, the interest, the process of company building and being able to be involved in multiple places was just, you know, of of even more interest and just seemed like an even better kind of uh, fit for you? Well, I'm, two things. I think one, uh, to your point around industry, um, you know, I was an internet guy in the late 90s and in, uh, in uh, my investing, I've always been investing in internet, digital media, and mobile spaces. And so I, I consider myself uh, an internet guy first and then a venture, uh, venture guy second. And so I'm not going to... You know, uh, I'm not going to end up becoming a clean tech guy or, or a hardware guy. It's just not in my, you know, just not in my DNA. I'm, more, I'm much more of a bits-based software guy. Got it. Um, and so, for me, it was, you know, as I was saying, it's uh, the ability to be a part of the founding and then creation of companies over and over and over again. 
um, and instead of doing it serially, be able to be involved with things, you know, in a parallel fashion. That's that's what excites me. It's that those inertial early days, um, and so this this role allows me to, you know, be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, being able to be at the seed stage. And if you if you uh, you know now obviously you've made the transition into. And we will go a little bit into kind of advice for people that want to make a similar step. But but you've you've made the transition into kind of having your own um, fund. How did that transition go? I mean, I think I think a lot of people have a good idea about how money gets raised and a company gets founded, right? There's the you know you draw with a sharpie on the back of the pizza box and you you do a bunch of code and you validate some stuff and then somebody has an uncle and then maybe you you know you do the VC thing at some point and people kind of get. You know, you give up this percentage, and then these things happen. Um, when you wanted to start a a venture fund, clearly, then it's raising money too. It's it's organizing a group. It's it, it is a bit of an entrepreneurial endeavor. You know, obviously, um, you know, you're a partner in a company. Um, how how did that differ? What did that walk look like? Um, because clearly, it seems like it was a very different walk than when you raise money for your internet business. Sure. Well, actually, it's funny. One of my uh, mentors likes to joke that it's very it's very easy to become a venture capitalist. You just have to start investing money into startups, right? Um, and, and although it's uh, maybe a little bit uh, hard to figure out where, where that money's going to come from. Um, so the you know the the narrative of when we started Next View Ventures, you know I was uh, most recently at Benrock, which is one of the oldest venture capital firms, originally you know uh, founded by uh, Lawrence Rockefeller and investing you know for decades, and so I really learned the venture capital business in one of the oldest story firms, so I felt like I had a, a great apprenticeship um, to then, you know, strike out on my own. Uh, you know, I was an entrepreneur by heart, you know, having started a company, you know, uh, almost a decade before, but just as you point out in your question, um, starting a company isn't the same as, you know, starting a venture firm, although there are a lot of things that rhyme with it. I mean, <laughs> myself and my, my two partners, we, you know, we... Uh, there's a reason we're, we started a company, or we started our own firm, was because we had that those entrepreneurial juices. Yep. And so when we were first beginning the firm, we actually didn't take any outside capital. Um, we just started investing our own our own personal capital. So we just formed an LLC, huh. uh, wrote some uh, checks into it, and then started wrote and then you know basically wrote checks out of that uh, that bank account into startups um, here in and around Boston. Wow. By the time we had six or seven companies within that kind of mini portfolio, so to speak, um, you know, then we had a, a body of work, uh, maybe characterize it that way, you know, a body of work of a mini portfolio of seven companies that we'd written, you know, very much kind of angel-sized checks. Um, but at that point was the only one we then decided, okay, um, we liked investing together as a partners, and we think we're going to, um, you know, it's early days, but where things are starting to progress well with some of those early companies. Um, and so at that point where we went out and looked for external investors to, you know, kind of amplify our own personal capital so that we could write larger checks out of a, you know, a kind of classic venture fund. Got it. And is that a common transition? You know, a couple folks get together, they get an LLC, they pour some bucks into it, they, they cut some angel-sized checks, they get a good feel, and then they're like, all right, now let's ring the uh, the rich guy bell. Or, or you know, or do most funds kind of get started by someone who obviously has business experience, maybe even investment experience, but they start drumming up the fund, um, you know, before or, or, you know, right after its actual kind of founding? Yeah, so I would say historically it, it, it's more the latter, right? It's 
historically you were always you were, you were already in a, a firm. You had one or two partners um, that you're maybe working with at a current firm, and you just decide to break off from that firm and start a new one, and you can kind of take some of the old um, investors from that previous firm. And that's how you know that's how firms kind of historically got started. I would say within the last 10 years, though, you've seen this other path, which is one that we, you know, similarly followed, which is, I mean, as, as you probably heard in the of your audience, you, know, you had, during the 2000s era, you had this rise of, called the, the quote, super angels, right? These were angels that weren't just writing, you know, one or two angel-sized checks into seed rounds a year, but they were writing, you know, uh, uh, you know, five or ten or sometimes even dozens. And... Uh, so they did start with their own personal capital, and given the track record, track record which where they were developing um, and you know using their own money, that allowed them and empowered them to then go and approach um, investors, you know, into you know, into you know their own their own funds. Got it. Okay, and and maybe this is a worthwhile question too. You know, if you if now I know how this works with a company, and I feel like most anybody that's been you know, even just on the blogs of the startup world, sort of gets the gist. I mean, if, if I have a if I have a company idea, maybe some limited validation, a lot of gusto, I'm a smart kid. You know, I can probably get some money and, and give away like a, a a pretty solid chunk of what I'm doing um, to raise some money. However, if I'm you know if I'm if I'm doing if I'm doing you know six figures a month, you know net. And uh, and I already know the markets I'm chasing, and I'm I'm on a roll and killing it. And then I go to uh, you know the same people and raise some bucks. Presumably, I could get the same amount of money, but uh, you know they're going to be getting a lot less ownership in the company just because of kind of where the leverage sits there. Um, does it work the same in the venture space? I mean, I have no idea. I feel like most people probably don't, even if they plan on moving there. You know, if you have a track record that's you know pretty darn well. You can't tell the future, but you know, do, do you do you put yourself in some semblance of a uh, better position in terms of you know who gets what percentage of what when it happens when people contribute money, or is that sort of null and void? Like in other words, I could have the best track record for as long as I want in my venture fund, and you contribute X, you're going to get Y, or I could just have the idea, and now you contribute X and you get Y. How, how does that work? Yeah. So the structure of a venture capital fund is a little bit different than a company, right? Uh, you know, as you mentioned. You if a company you put a valuation on, you give up a percentage of that company. Uh, a venture capital firm is structured in a series of partnerships, so you have partnership interest in specific funds. And it's actually fairly, fairly standard that the way that venture capitalists are, are compensated in that usually they get 2% of, uh, uh, every year they get 2% of whatever assets are under management, and then somewhere between 20 to 25, at the very top, 30% of any of the profits which are generated from the successful investments. That's, that second part is called uh, carry. Um, and so whether you're a first-time fund or, you know, one of the funds that's been on, has a Roman numeral of nine or ten behind it, you typically have the same kind of compensation structure around it. That being said, as you might suspect, it's much, much easier to raise, uh, you know, go from your ninth fund to your tenth fund than to raise that, you know, that first, you know, single fund. Um, and because you just don't have that track record, uh, that you can lean on. You have to convince people that, given your own background um, and experience, that you're going to be able to make successful investments. So the, the, the process of fundraising is, at the end of the day, fundraising is, 
it's similar, whether it's a company or a firm, because you're, you're selling yourself and your abilities. But the way that the structure and the compensation works varies a little bit between a company itself and a venture capital firm that invests in startups. Got it. Okay, that, that's that's rather interesting how that sort of pans out. Um, so, huh? That, that's that's pretty curious. And when people get their initial fund together, um, my presumption is, and this is possibly correct, um, that's that's really a process of you know having enough proof or chutzpah or or whatever else to uh, to convey that you know the types of companies you're going to be going into is a world that you understand. It's a world you're well connected to, maybe you've helped companies like that grow, expand, maybe you've invested in the past. Um, but it, it seems like it's a pretty big function of, you know, how many investing capable people um, do you know and or are you plugged in with? It seems as though that's a rather big part of the shebang. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I, well, I think in all of business, there Certainly. Who you know is very important. Certainly. It's about networking. Um, you know, historically... And with ourselves there, next few ventures, um, you know, we're not necessarily uh, uh, raising capital from individuals or the rich chunkle, which you characterized before, but just given the, the order of magnitude of the dollars which we raise to try to invest, you know, we tend to raise that capital from other institutions. So it's um, private sector pension funds, it's university endowments, it's family offices, and so forth. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more of a uh, institutional, uh, you know, business-to-business sale as opposed to um, an individual who has a startup who's, um, you know, often the first round in an age around where it's completely comprised of individuals picking yes. up their personal checkbook and, and writing it right into the company. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, you know, but it seems to me like you can learn almost anything you want about the entrepreneurship from a million different people, but but it seems like. How to raise funds from institutions for a venture fund? I mean, maybe there's a blog and a book about that that I just ain't never come across. But it seems to me like that's the stuff that isn't kicking around in paperback. No, that's a very, it's a very opaque process, uh, the fundraising process for an institutional fund. And, you know, frankly, it was something that when we were starting a new firm for ourselves, we had to, you know, kind of learn by talking with other experienced colleagues within you know, within the community to figure out what's the right way to approach that kind of process. But you're right, there, is, there isn't a how to raise a venture capital fund uh, paperback thing, at least uh, that I'm aware of either. Yeah, shucks. Uh, and I can imagine that was probably a process of you finding in whatever way, shape, or form ways to develop and cultivate relationships and be at the same place as the folks that are in that institution. You know, you're, you, you, it just seems like it's real tough to... Uh, do the, the, the scatter scatter plot big email bump to uh, to those folks. Yeah, no, it's a, extremely, very much a, a relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it seems like in that case, I mean, you you can hypothetically, you might not be the the in the best position, but you can hypothetically start you know a shoe shop or a software company or whatever with just you, your friend, and enough enough ramen to to cut it. Um, but starting a venture fund, I mean, the relationships have to be there to some level of embeddedness or you are not getting off the ground. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, because unless, unless you have a tree that does it, I mean, I, I, I'd, uh, I'm still looking for that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, and the other aspect is, is uh, you know, now that, you've been, now that you've been here, so you made the jump into having a venture fund, clearly it's a domain you enjoy, you're an entrepreneur first, as many venture folks are, or, or you know, at least a good percentage. Um, 
what what advice would you have for for someone who's maybe an entrepreneur and you know is maybe planning on selling company number one, sort of like you did, and moving in there, or or they just see that as an inevitable transition they're also going to make? Um, what sort of advice practically would you give to them as as they're starting to make a consideration? You know, should I lean into this world? Might this be the space where I belong? What what would you have them think about? Yep. So I mean, if there's uh, someone of that profile. Um, you know, as I kind of joked at the beginning of the conversation, the best way to get into venture capital is just start investing yourself. And, and so, you know, I think especially with some of the, you know, re- recent uh, uh, law changes, it's actually much more accessible for people to write smaller checks into startups, even five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. And, you know, that's not a small amount of money, uh, but, you know, uh, regardless. But if this is something that you're very serious about potentially getting involved in, um, you know, writing... Uh, kind of making a pledge to yourself that you're going to write a $5,000 check into six different, five or six different companies over the course of 18 months gives you a way to kind of begin to build a portfolio, right? Uh, it's a similar advice to people who want to become, you know, public investors and investment managers at, at a mutual fund. Um, you know, the best way to do it is buy, you know, you know, a couple hundred shares of Apple or, or whatever the, uh, the stocks that you might you might have chosen. Um, you know, if you were sitting as, as a uh, portfolio manager at a mutual fund, so you kind of begin to experience it yourself firsthand, and then and then use that as a way to kind of open doors and open conversations, rather than just talking about it hypothetically. You've actually made a commitment um, that others can visibly see to to taking on some of those activities. Got it. Okay. I think it's really not uncommon for, uh, just as you said, it's not uncommon for VCs to have entrepreneurial. Oh yeah, and one of the I think one of the ways that experienced entrepreneurs then intend getting in the end up getting on the venture capital side is that they do begin to become angel investors and decide that they really like that part of the process, um, and so it becomes a, a smooth transition over to that. So so <laughs> so get a get one of your toes in the water. That's right. Nice. Even if it's a little, even if it's a pinky toe. Yeah, <laughs> even your pinky. Yeah, because as you had mentioned, it's kind of easier and easier to to potentially get involved at even smaller levels just to get a taste for it. So very good. Uh, David, if if, uh, if folks want to learn a little bit more about what you guys do, I know you have your main site there, uh, Next View Ventures. What's the best way to be in touch? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Next View Ventures, we're a dedicated seed stage venture capital firm just focused on Internet investments, uh, primarily along the Boston and New York corridor. Yep. Um, you know, uh, we, you know, we have a brochureware uh, website at, at nextviewventures.com. And then, uh, you know, I maintain a blog I've had for almost a decade now at uh, genuinebc.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at David, at, or excuse me, at David Lightfall. Got it. Very good. David, thank you very much for being on with us uh, today for Tech Emergence. Absolutely. It's a real pleasure. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker, uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential. And make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. 
Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious f- uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>